Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Fibber McGee and Molly Block of Shows and Fibber McGee and Molly. This episode is from March 11th, 1947. It's not the best copy in the world, but it's the only copy I have to give you. So I did some cleaning up a little bit, but it's still not perfect. But anyway, the episode is entitled Fibber's Untapped Energy. And after that, we have from April 24th, 1954, Our Miss Brooks, Cow in the Closet. I've never heard this episode, so I'll be enjoying it along with you. And after that is You Bet Your Life from October 11th, 1950. The secret word is grass, oddly enough, and that kind of fits in with Our Miss Brooks, the cow in the closet, grass and cow go together. <laughs> so enjoy all these and enjoy your life. And I'll see you all back here next week, God willing, and the quakes don't rise. The Johnson White Program with Peter McGee and Molly. <laughs>
Now, let me see if I put the piano over here. You better balance to the desk over there. Hurry. Nope, I don't think so. You just say where you want those cup of tea, Sergeant. Hey, maybe if I go out the south wall here, I could extend the dining room into the where I get my tools at. Now, McGee, whoa. Sit down, relax. What's the matter? Can a man turn himself a little around his own house? My gosh, I cleaned out the garage already this morning. I put the tires on the car, I cleaned the house tent, and I nailed that window that's always rattled every time the wind blows, so you can't hear yourself think that. What's the difference if I just. Now, McGee, please. Sit down and I can't sit down. I'm too restless. I got too much energy. Can this be the same lad who put salt on his car yesterday? Because he took a ball with two heavy. That's all behind us now, Sissy. Now I'm full of heck. I got vitality. I got drive. Why, I got so much energy, I'm scared to cross my legs for fear of throwing my hips out of joint. Nicky, what is this all about? What's happening? I read a book. That's all. I read a book that changed the whole course of my life. I discovered the secret of physical energy. Well, for goodness sake, secret is huh? If everybody in this world starts jumping around like you did, I'm going somewhere else. What is this book? Look, right here. I bought it for a buck from a guy in the doorway next to the ultra. The name of it is Man Gun Fast Energy. If I'd read this thing 30 years ago, who knows what I might have been today? You know what my charge is in. Called 
boy. I think you've got something, boy. You do? Yes. Yeah. You have a chronic case of fantastic superdaria. <laughs> Is it serious, Doctor? Oh, no. Lots of people go through life with us. Look, Doctor McGee. Yes, my boy. This is a very interesting theory, Joy. Four hours sleep a night. Yep. I want to read that book very carefully. Bring it with you to the hospital. I'm not going to the hospital. That's what you think. Huh? <laughs> well, he told me when he falls on his face, Molly. He's old all the No, Doctor, not through that door. That's the whole problem. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Molly. I straightened out the whole closet this morning, too. <laughs> Well, what do you know? 
Imagine me at a center of Napoleon. No wonder I got so much energy. Napoleon, the little corporal. Corporal. I thought a corporal was a oh, so we did that, didn't we? Yes, we did. You know, Captain Molly, I feel pretty selfish teaching this teacher all to myself. I'm going to get out to the elf club tonight and pass the good word to all the boys. I'll organize a discussion group and incidentally when I tell them businessmen how we need a new airport for which airport. Oh, I didn't see my tiger. No. I put on my track suit and my sliding pads and potted out there this morning. Before you were up, I had to have some exercise. Okay. And believe me, that place is a mess. I thought the airport was pretty good. Pretty good. It ain't even developed. There's a thousand acres right in the middle without a single building on it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you better talk to me and I'll see if you're a radio operator out there during the war. Yeah. A radio operator? Yeah. yeah. I'll bet you don't know whether Chuck Slug is chewing tobacco or a short commercial. Yeah. Okay. Lena! Oh, Lena! I think we have a brilliant hair coordinator, Miss McGee. I highly like you. Hey, how'd you know what I was going to ask you, Lena? Oh, you know, old Snoopy Lee, Miss McGee. <laughs> I used to always keep it into the ground until I found out the keyhole is so much cleaner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it terrible to you to be a radio operator, Lena? Oh, just as true as your secondary career. That was before I became a singer on station QTSW. You know, me and my girlfriend, Kathy the Toy Bra, did sound the way. Classical stuff, Lena? No, it was novelty songs, Mr. McGee. And the biggest novelty was when he finished the song both together. You know, we sung stuff like, I want a girl just like the girl that Mama found a picture of in Papa's dress shoes. I want a girl just like the girl, you know, songs like that. Alina, were you a success? Well, the day I made my debut. Oh, the day boot. You know, I was so scared, I ran off the stage, clipped over a wire, and the station was off the air for six hours. And I was off for good. I use a panel or a control for Lena. Well, now, I asked my vocal teacher about that, Mrs. McGee, and he said that he really couldn't say, but he thought I was a kind of a knuckle baritone. Did I ever sing the song I wrote myself? Which one was that, Lady? Well, I called it, If you can smile when things go wrong, why do you have to be such a hypocrite? <laughs> well, I guess that answers your question about the airport, Mr. McGee. Oh,
What goes on here? Well, you've read a book, Mr. Gilcox. It's all about McGee. Stop chasing up and down and making me nervous. I can't help it, kid. I've got to keep doing something. I've got to burn up this energy. See how I am? You're just coming over with life and death. You too can do the same. Here, read this book when you get home. Oh, man's untapped energy. Where'd you get this, son? You bought it from a man and a doorway, Mr. Gilcox. I remember once he bought a pound of eight and a few little dentists got me from one of those two settlers. The steel pencils were starting to wait. Another time... Yes, but that's all I ever spent, except for my marriage license. Oh, thank you. Not all. Mr. Denton, did I ever pay you back for that? No. Never mind me. Look, Sonny, I've been at the office last night. I'm going to start a discussion group. I'm going to show them mugs how to really live. Yes, but Sal, listen, four hours sleep a night. Exactly. You see, every man has a great store of energy, do you? And some stores flow dirtier than others. Now then, if a man sleeps all night, he just keeps the top off his energy. He don't use it. It's like eating the top layer off a barrel of apples and then throwing it up again and never get the good apples at the bottom of the barrel of apples. I like apples. Huh? You do, Miss Wilcox? That's besides the point, you know. I never gave apples as a permission. As no, it was an apple, it wouldn't be in business. It was, really? Yep. When I was in fifth grade in Omaha, I was in love with my sister, Lucy LaCalle. Oh. She could bring out a big red apple every day. That's not get off the subject, you know. Now, when a man comes to spend my whole recess polishing that apple, the way the natural wax detected and unified it got to be a complex, wasn't it? Yes, but you do, sister. All through high school, I remembered the sparkling beauty and color of those big red apples. So when I had to go to work, I asked myself, who made the finest wax products in the world? Uh, Steve Johnson and son of a Steve Johnson, of course. I had to go with the big red apple. Then when I... <laughs> then when I saw what Johnson's logos would do, I knew I was home. It didn't require any rubbing or buffing. It was self-polishing. Just pour a little out on a linoleum, spread it around, and in 20 minutes of life, it dries to a glistening, protective coat that makes good housekeepers proud and happy. That's all very well, Mr. Wilcox. That's why I always say a woman who knows her apples always uses Johnson's logos on her linoleum. By the way, what were you saying, pal? I didn't mean to interrupt. Here's a glass Just remember, I'm giving a talk at the Elk tonight. Don't miss it if you can. Don't worry, I can. Go on now. I knew I could count on him. Hey, if you've got any extra pieces of cold wine, you know, I feel like I'd like to put money for a couple of hours. Work off a little energy. Oh, I'm so full of steam, my ears are starting to wiggle. Yeah. Jerry, I don't know how you do it. Up at the crack of dawn and still charging around like a hopped up river. I just can't stand to be idle, that's all. My gosh, I can just feel the energy flowing through me. Sort of warm waves going right up my back. Stand away from the radiator and see how it Before daybreak. 
25 miles before breakfast. Keep moving. You know what it is that gives you that run-down feeling? Yeah. Sneaky face. Sneaky face, you mean? Yeah. I did wrong, right? Well, if I was in you, it's worth keeping it. Yeah. I was sitting in a garage eating my bird bird. Your what, Mr. Winkle? My bird bird. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about how the big bird bird thinks of Bonnie Earl. Those wicked bird people are baby. And all of a sudden, Susie Face rolled into the garage and told me she was wrong. I thought that must have been humiliated. I was simply stressed, Mr. Winkle. Susie Face is rather impressive, you know. But I am too. <laughs> you can watch it, I do. Why, what do you do, Ray? You won't care. Yeah, I'm proud of this, you know. I'm the Yeah? I put some extra pieces on the I sneak upstairs with the pirates and tighten the cat on a toothpaste tree. Yeah, and you did. And you know what I did? Oh, this was really naughty. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I put some little holes in her shower cap. I saw her with a body. <laughs> I'm so 
want to take an ice-long walk before you go to bed? Sweetheart, I wouldn't walk 18 inches to see you if you dive through the door into a cement district. I'm exhausted. You think too much, kiddo. Look at me. Four hours sleep and crunches a baby. Why another week of this schedule and I'll have a... Oh, come in. Good evening, Molly. Hello, Miss Hughes. Hello, Your Honor. Hi, I'm a three of old Chief. Hey, how's the boy? Doing okay? Want an Indian raffle for half a buck? My dear boy. After the day I stood in it in City Hall, I wouldn't wrestle head in my mouth. <laughs> no energy, huh? <laughs> you just haven't discovered the secret, fella. There's a trick to keep up your vitality. You never read the sort of book? Well, let me see it. Man, only tapped energy. That's what you could give up, you? You brought it from a man on the doorway, Mr. Newman. You know the type they also said he imported fish for fuel made out of vanilla extract?
school think of Mr. Boynton, the bashful biologist, as an extremely handsome, virile, irresistible individual. But our Miss Brooks, who teaches English there, can take him with a grain of salt. 
In fact, I could take him with a whole spoonful. <laughs> but why waste salt on a fellow who's too shy to toss in a little pepper now and then? <laughs> Last Friday at breakfast, I foolishly provoked a discussion of the matter with my landlady. Honestly, Mrs. Davis, he's more attentive to his animals. Why, yesterday he hardly noticed me because he took his dog to school for the day. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. What can a dog learn in one measly day? <laughs> Serves me right for mentioning it. May I have some toast, please? Oh, here you are, dear. It's like I've always said. If dogs could learn things as quickly as cats, this would be a much better world to live in. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Take our cat Minerva. For the past week, I've been teaching her mathematics, and she's become a whiz at it. Mathematics? Just you wait and see. Minerva! Meow! Yeah. <laughs> Tell me quickly now, how much is two and two? Meow! Yeah. Ah, that's a good girl. <laughs> I'll gather up the dishes now. Uh, just a minute. Two and two equals meow? Certainly. There are four letters in meow, aren't there? <laughs> That's her way of telling me that the answer is four. Two meows equal eight. Three meows equal twelve and so on. Oh, it's funny, though. She isn't so hot on the odd numbers. <laughs> I started this conversational maze with the simple statement that Mr. Boynton brought his dog to school yesterday. Well, Connie, then it's simple. What's simple? You should do something to show Mr. Boynton how much you love animals. Like what? Well, why don't you take Minerva to school with you today? Oh, let's not be ridiculous, Mrs. Davis. I couldn't possibly take Minerva to... Well, come to think of it, Mr. Boynton is extremely fond of cats. It might make a hit at that. You think she'd behave herself in my classroom? Of course she would. She can stretch out on the seat cushion I ordered for your classroom. Seat cushion? You mentioned how trying it is, sitting on that hard chair all day. Still, I thought I'd surprise you. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Mr. Oh, Davis. Don't mention it. I mailed a letter last night telling the store where to send it, along with another note to the place where I ordered Victor's gift. Your brother Victor? Yes. He's every bit as fond of animals as Mr. Boynton is. That's why I bought one for him yesterday. Oh, that's nice, Mrs. Davis. What did you get him? A cow. <laughs> a cow? Yes. It's a female. <laughs> Those are the best time. Why on earth Did would you... you just I... moved into a little farmhouse on the edge of town, Connie. It's only a 15-minute drive from here. By and by, he'll be adding more livestock, of course. But right now, with just the one cow, I figured he'd have his hands full. <laughs> he plays his cards right. <laughs> I'd better dash off to school, Mrs. Davis. I'll have to use all my powers of persuasion to get Mr. Conklin's permission to take Minerva into class with me. All right, dear. Just put Minerva into this valise I bought for her at the pet shop. It's a cat carrier. You might leave the lid open for her, though. Oh, that won't be necessary. There are holes in the side through which she can breathe. In you go, Minerva. Here, I'll give you a hand. Yeah. Oh, that's what I like about Minerva. She's so polite. Whenever you help her out, she always says four. 
You may be principal of this school, Osgood Conklin, but as long as I am head of the Board of Education, you will take orders from me. Is that clear? Quite clear, Mr. Stone. Crystal clear. Couldn't be clearer. You are also... Silence! <laughs> Lips are sealed. Why, when I saw that dog running loose outside the biology lab yesterday, I was shocked beyond words. You know that animals aren't allowed on school property, Osgood. How did it get in here? Answer me. Well, I haven't the slightest idea, sir. Well, let's make certain that no dogs invade the school today. First, you will make an early inspection tour of all classrooms. And I want you to post a guard at the front door throughout the day. But, sir, why commission someone to do a job for which I myself am ideally suited? I'll keep a weather eye open, sir. You may be sure no animal will get past me. Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Oh, hello, Mr. Stone. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Are you, uh, going somewhere? Going some... Oh, this is the Lee. Uh, if I may ask your permission, Mr. Conklin. Permission for what? Well, you'll see as soon as I open the bag. It'll just take me a minute. Excuse me, Mr. Stone. Go right ahead. Glad you dropped in, Miss Brooks. Perhaps you can shed some light on the identity of the culprit who dared to bring an animal into this school yesterday. <laughs> an animal, Mr. Stone? Specifically, a dog. When I saw it romping around outside the biology lab, I came in here to report the incident to Mr. Conklin. When I returned to the spot, it had vanished. Good. Some of those spots stay on forever. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't be of much help to you, Mr. Stone. You see, mine is an English class, and I'm not one of those who is, who are, I should say, in the habit of hanging around other labs. The labs of others, I mean, so I couldn't really shed any light on the identity of which the dog belonged to who. <laughs> and exactly how long have you had this English class, Miss Brooks? You bet. <laughs> well, please forgive my faulty syntax, Mr. Stone. The thought of a beast on the premises has frazzled my nerves a bit. Well... Goodbye, now. One moment. You were going to open that bag, remember? Bag? What bag? Oh, the bag. Oh, well, you really wouldn't want to look at what's in this bag, sir. It's nothing but... Meow! <laughs> what was that? I said I'll run along now and meow. <laughs> meow, that's a new expression some of the kids use. It's real cool, I think. <laughs> Meow. Instead of saying goodbye, they say meow. Silly, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes I stretch it out with a little western draw. Well, meow now, Mr. Stone. Meow, Mr. Conklin. Meow. Meow. Now, that was mighty peculiar behavior. She galloped out of here like a frightened antelope. Yes, and it's my guess that right now she and her western drawl are loafing over to the old bunkhouse in Mr. Boynton's lab. Oh, hello there, Miss Brooks. Howdy. Please sit down, Mr. Boynton. We've got a little palavering to do. Can it wait, Miss Brooks? I was just on my way to the cloakroom to feed Geraldine. Geraldine? You know, my dog. She's a boxer. And if Mr. Conklin drops in, she'd better come out fighting. <laughs> That's what I came to warn you about. 
Warned me? Yes, he's on an anti-animal kick. Mr. Stone happened to see Geraldine in the hall yesterday, and he was furious. Luckily, he doesn't know who her owner is yet. Gosh, I guess I should have asked Mr. Conklin's permission. Oh, but there's little chance of my dog being discovered in here, Miss Brooks. Mr. Stone rarely comes into my lab. The same goes for Mr. Conklin. Oh, well, then maybe my cat can hide out here for the day. Your cat? Yeah, I'll let her out of the bag. I certainly wouldn't want Mr. Conklin to find out I'm a cat rustler. Out you come, Minerva. You won't mind taking care of her for me, will you, Mr. Boynton? Oh, not at all. Come here, baby. All righty. <laughs> oh, you mean her. I'm crazy about cats, Miss Brooks. Why, the minute I see one, I can't resist nestling it in my arms and stroking its little head. Meow. <laughs> Mrs. Davis ordered a seat cushion sent to my class today, Miss Boynton. I'll bring it over so that Minerva can stretch out in comfort. Oh, that'll be dandy. I saw Mrs. Davis at the movies last night, and she told me about her brother Victor's farmhouse and that she's buying him a cow. I just love cows, don't you? Madly. <laughs> oh, I love all animals, Mr. Boynton. You know... Sometimes I get to thinking about my childhood days on Dad's farm, Miss Brooks. Oh, I miss those days a lot. I hope Victor asks me out to his farm someday. We can both go out someday. <laughs> Some night, I mean. <laughs> Some night when Victor isn't home. <laughs> we can stroll in the meadow, hand in hand, with the moonlight pouring down. Uh, that sounds pretty thrilling, Miss Brooks. And uh, if you're with me and, uh, and it's a very nice evening... You think it'd be all right to, well... Yes, Mr. Biden? Well, do you think Victor would let me milk his cow? <laughs> we can both milk her. You take the left side, and I'll take the right side. I'll be homogenized before you. <laughs> oh, great. Speaking of milk has evidently whipped up Minerva's appetite. Steady, Minerva. <laughs> Mr. Conklin. Yikes! At ease. I hope you'll forgive this intrusion, Boynton. I just dropped into... Oh, hello, little pussycat. <laughs> I say I just dropped in to make certain there are no dogs in here. Not that I suspect you, Boynton, but I just thought I'd take a look around. Well, I don't see any dogs on the premises. No dogs at all. Sorry to trouble you. I'll just run along now and... Hello, little pussycat! <laughs> Let's all play charades. <laughs> I mean, there's still a few minutes before first class, so just a kick. That will do. Out with it now. To whom does this cat belong? Cat? What cat? Oh, the pussy cat. It's quite a pussy cat, isn't it? Silky. It's a girl cat, no doubt. <laughs> Mr. Boynton and I hadn't noticed her. Oh, that's right. She must have strayed in, sir. Nonsense. Miss Brooks, I'm beginning to understand those phantom meows I heard in my office. Now then. What are I... you doing to the cat's collar, Mr. Conklin? I'm removing it, Miss Brooks. It'll be an easy matter to determine the person who owns us by simply checking the number on this license tag. That person, needless to say, is a dead duck. <laughs> Having 
Having heard nothing from Mr. Conklin during my morning classes, I presumed that he had not as yet traced the number on Minerva's license tag. As I left my classroom for lunch, however, the figure of a sentry armed with a BB rifle loomed up before me. Step forward and be recognized. It's me, Mr. Conklin. (laughs) Oh, step back and be unrecognized. Aye, aye, sir. And so, having been honorably discharged, I hiked down to the school cafeteria and ordered chow. It was then that Walter Denton beckoned me to his table. Be over here, Miss Brooks. Wilt thou not visit me? The plant beside me feels thy gentle dew, and every blade of grass I see from thy deep earth, its quickening moisture drew. (laughs) I ordered meatballs. What have you got? The same. I guess you didn't care for that bit of poetry I quoted, huh, Miss Brooks? You guessed right, Walter. Well, uh, how do you like this one? You'd never have let the cat from the bag if you knew Mr. Conklin would grab her tag. (laughs) You're either psychic or a sneak. How'd you find out I'm up the creek? (laughs) Well, that's a very provocative question, Miss Brooks. You will recall that shortly before first class this morning, our beloved principal invaded Mr. Boynton's lab and trapped you dead to rights with your furry friend. With two furry friends, Mr. Boynton lost his razor. (laughs) Well, at that time, I happened to be standing in the hall just outside the lab, and presently I heard excitement-laden voices wafted through the transom. And now, uh, that was a moment of great decision for me, Miss Brooks. I could have either hewed to the path of dishonor by remaining in the hall and eavesdropping, or I could have taken the glorious avenue of decency by closing my ears and leaving the scene. Well? Yeah, I took the dirty road out. (laughs) For shame. But you still don't know all the details, Walter. Oh, contraire, Miss Brooks. I was about to say that some minutes later, I confronted Mr. Boynton with the juicy morsels I had overheard, informed him that I should like to be acquainted with all the facts, and requested that he sing. And he sang? Ezio Pinza would have envied him. <laughs> well, this is no laughing matter, Walter. When Mr. Conklin traces Minerva's license tag... Well, you didn't have time to trace it this morning, Miss Brooks, and it's too late now. Uh, here is a little gift as a token of my esteem. Walter, it's the tag. How did you get it? Like I said, Miss Brooks, I'm pretty perfidious at times. When Mr. Conklin left his office for a few moments, I sneaked in, made off with the tag, and ever since then he's been flipping his lid wondering what happened to it. But that's stealing. That's a dreadful thing to do, Walter, and thanks a million. (laughs) You're entirely welcome. The only one thing worries me, Miss Brooks. Since Mr. Conklin can't establish ownership, he'll probably confiscate your cat and send her to the pound. Oh, no. We can't let that happen to Minerva. Somehow, we've got to spring her. I have an idea, Walter. You've got to sneak her out of the biology lab through the window and then take her to Mrs. Davis's brother's farmhouse. It's only a 15-minute drive from here, so you can report back to me in my classroom before the end of lunch period. Uh, Check. I know a shortcut to the farmhouse, Miss Brooks. I helped Victor move some furniture in day before yesterday. Well, after Walter promised to sneak Minerva out of school to Victor's farm, the only problem remaining was what to do about Mr. Boynton's dogs. 
In my classroom shortly after noon, I told Mr. Boynton what Walter had done. Well, I doubt that he'll get back here before the end of lunch period, Miss Brooks. It's almost one o'clock now. Excuse me, Mr. Boynton. I want to steal a little peek into the hallway. Hmm, no sentry. Mr. Conklin apparently ducked out for a bite. Now's your chance to get rid of your dog. Oh, I've already taken care of that. I simply lowered Geraldine up the window and told her to go home. She'll be lying on the doorstep waiting for me after school, Miss Brooks. Uh, you see, she's been trained. No matter where she is, she knows how to get to my apartment house. So do I, but what good does it do? <laughs> Hiya, folks. I got your cat to the farm okay, Miss Brooks. Nice work, Walter. Did you turn her over to Mrs. Davis? Uh, not exactly. She was out shopping when I got there, but I left Minerva with her brother, Victor, as soon as he got through with the delivery man. Delivery man? Yeah. Some guy was delivering a seat cushion. What? But that cushion was supposed to be delivered to my classroom. Good old absent-minded Mrs. Davis. Miss Brooks? Yes? A sign here. For what? For this. Oh, no. Wait a minute, mister. This is a cow. You've got good eyes, lady. We give you the bucket free. Gosh, a real cow. I haven't milked a cow in 14 years. Hand me that bucket, Walter. Oh, no, you don't. This is no time to improve your handshake. <laughs> uh, listen, mister, my landlady evidently got confused. There's been a dreadful mistake, but you'll simply have to take back this cow. Oh, I'm sorry, lady. That'll take a separate order, and our company's jammed up for the day. Give them a call, though. Maybe we can take her tomorrow. Well, you've got to be reasonable. You can't leave a cow here overnight. This is a public school under the supervision of the federal government. Let's keep politics out of this. I'll <laughs> be going now. So long, lady. Oh, I just caught a glimpse of Mr. Conklin and his daughter Harriet coming up the school steps. What'll we do? Mr. Boynton, cut that out. <laughs> Lost my head. Look in the bucket. I'll see you later, Daddy. Fine, Harriet. I'll be right here on sentry duty. No silly cat or dog is going to get past me today. Boy, you sure going to get a surprise from some silly cow. Not if I can help it. Quick, close the door. Now, listen carefully, Walter. I want you to stay here with the cow and see that absolutely no one enters this classroom. Then after school's over, when the sentry leaves, we can escape with the cow. Okay, Miss Brooks, you can depend on me. Well, what can I do to help, Miss Brooks? Just hand me that valise. The other one. Uh, steady, girl, steady. You're in good hands. Uh, ten after three, Walter. As soon as Miss Brooks gets back, we can... Who goes there? A friend. I'm unarmed. Yeah. Wait till I pull the chair away from the door. <laughs> Hi, Miss Brooks. See anybody in the hall? Just Harriet Conklin. She was on her way to a dramatics club meeting. I saw Mr. Conklin getting into his car, so now's our chance to make the break. You men bring up the rear. <laughs> we girls will lead the way. <laughs> Come along, Barthy. Now, keep your eyes peeled, Walter. You too, Mr. Boynton. If you see anybody... Holy smoke! Quick, push her in here. I'll open the door. But Walter! No time to explain. You go, boss. Come on. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. All right, Walter. Now, would you mind explaining what we and the strange cow are doing in Mr. Conklin's office? 
Well, I just saw Harriet Conklin coming down the stairs. Oh, but we're safe in here. She never comes into Mr. Conklin's office when he isn't around. Oh, quick thinking, Walter. Hi, Daddy. I thought you'd gone home. I forgot something in my office, Harriet. Oops, he's around. <laughs> down. What on earth is going on in there? Well, I'll soon find out. Back the cow into the closet. Hurry. Come on, boss. Back. Back. Come on, back. Oh, oh, oh. Catch it. Catch it. Oh, now she'll only stay quiet until Mr. Conklin... Moon over Miami. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Miss Brooks, Boynton, Denton, what are you doing here? Uh, well, sir, we were just... Moon of Monaco demand to know what you are doing in my office. Well, sir, we were just... (laughs) Is the song fest over now? Not quite, Mr. Conklin. Somehow I feel more coming on. I'm in the mood. Simply because you're... Oh, shut up! <laughs> More sounds like a herd of sick cattle. <laughs> For the last time, what are you doing here? Well, sir, we just dropped in to say goodbye on our way home. I left here five minutes ago, but I forgot my hat. I'll get it out of the closet and we can all go together. What an awful way to go. <laughs> Oh, surely you don't need a hat on such a lovely day, sir. Why not skip the closet? Step aside, Miss Brooks. Yes, sir. Pardon me, please. Take it easy. Take it easy. I just want to get my hat. Seems to be on the floor. I can just reach it. I've got it now. Oh, I am sorry. Now now I've got it. Now I can... Hmm. Pardon me again, please. One of you kindly tell me that I didn't see what I just saw in that closet. You've had a rough day on sentry duty, sir. Overworked very often causes one's mind to play tricks that are... Oh, yes, yes, of course. It's absurd. I'm convinced the whole thing was a mirage, notwithstanding the indisputable fact that my hat here, as you can plainly see, is half filled with cream. Just to reassure myself, however, I'd like to take another look in the closet. This time you will follow me, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's rather late, Mr. Conklin. Let's do it in the morning. You follow me now, Miss Brooks. And I do mean now. Yes, sir.
Sherman and Al Lewis to the music of Lud Luster. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is grass. G-R-A-S-S. Really? You bet your life! The more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... That's me, Groucho Marx! Well, here I am again with $1,000 for one of our couples. George Fenneman, who's supposed to try for it? Well, we asked if there were any young people present tonight who'd like to get married if they found the right partner. I see. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected uh, Christine Carson and Dan Metzger. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, kids, for the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Uh, Christine uh, Carson and Dan Metzger. Miss uh, Christine Carson. Uh, shall I call you Christine, or do you have a nickname? Well, ev- everybody calls me Chris, and then Mother used to call me Ouija. Where are you from, Ouija? <laughs> we get familiar very quickly. It's about as far as I get with my familiarity. But at least it's a step in the wrong direction. Where are you from, Ouija? I'm, Didn't I'm I say that a minute ago? <laughs> I'm even bored with myself, and the show hasn't even started yet. Huh? Now, which one is Weege? I forgot. Huh? Well, every time I holler Weege, you throw your hand up. Huh? You know, where, where are you from? I'm from Oakland, California. Oakland, huh? Dan uh, Metzger, huh? What's your nickname, Dan? Well, some call me Dan, Danny, or I have friends that call me Daniel Boom. How close do you know these people? Huh? <laughs> and where are you from, uh, Dan? Melford, Saskatchewan, Canada. Somebody out there from Port Jervis. How old are you, Mr. Boone? Thirty years old. Thirty years old. Well, that's a ripe old age. And uh, and Ouija, uh, what is your age? I'm twenty-three. Twenty-three. Well, you're a mighty attractive-looking girl. Now, Fenneman says you'd like to get married if you found the right partner. Is is that right, uh, Ouija? Yes, I would. Well, that's a very worthy objective. Huh? <laughs> and I hope you take your objective. Huh? <laughs> Mr. Boom, would you like to get married? Eventually, yes. Well, that's a sneaky answer if I ever heard. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you, what's your reason? Or have you completely lost well, your reason? I would. After all, we all like the uh, things that go with married life. We all like to settle down, have darling little wife and children, what have you. Are you asking me or telling you? <laughs> what do you say you'd like to have a family? Is that it? Well, is there any particular family that you crave? I, mean? <laughs> I must say that you're the most reluctant bridegroom I've met this year. Or maybe I'll have more luck with, with uh, Ouija here. Who do, who do you work for, Christine? Arthur Murray. Oh, is that so? I've known Arthur Murray for 40 years. He makes the best chop suey on 7th Avenue. <laughs> 
don't even work in that hash house. <laughs> or that chop house, I guess. That, that's the wrong Murray. I work for the one who teaches dancing. Oh, well, as you're crazy about typesickery, and I'm crazy about chop suey. <laughs> However, we can still be friends. Dan, where, where do you work? I'm an instructor with the Hollywood uh, boarding stable, riding stable. Oh, well, maybe I can marry you to Christine before the night's over. At least you're sort of a groom already, aren't you? <laughs> what do you do at Arthur Murray's, Christine? I, I teach dancing. Could, could you teach me to dance? Well, of course. What makes you so sure, you know? <laughs> Others have tried and failed. Well, Mr. Murray has a very wonderful system, and in 35 years there have only been three people that he couldn't teach to dance. And, and who were they? They were idiots. <laughs> Anyone for shuffleboard? <laughs> Christine, suppose I wanted to become a social sensation overnight and I decided to take some lessons from Mr. Murray. Now, I come slinking into your studio. What happens? Well, you're greeted by a, a woman interviewer and you're taken on a tour of the studio. You're taken into a private room where the... Uh, <laughs> In a private room, eh? Yes. So that the... Um, the, the, so that the uh, analysis can be made so that she can uh, study your character and your dancing. Well, she may not learn much about my dancing, but she'll learn a lot about my character. <laughs> now, what next? Well, then, after the complete analysis has been made, you will be turned over to an instructor. The police, probably, huh? <laughs> Now, what'd you say? I, I said you would be turned over to me. Oh, now you're talking. Huh? <laughs> well, it took a long time to get around to that, but it was certainly worth it. What are you going to teach me? Well, uh, first I'd have to teach you how to hold a girl. <laughs> you're kidding, aren't you? <laughs> well, now, Dan, let's get back to your stable. Suppose I wanted you to teach me to ride. Where do we begin? Well, we begin with the reins. Are we get an umbrella with this lesson? Or? Okay, I know all about the reins. What next? Well, you take the reins in your left hand, grasp the saddle with your right, put your left foot in the left stirrup, and then throw yourself all the way over. <laughs> Am I on the horse now? Well, you're supposed to be, yes. That's what you think. I'm on the other side of the horse, flat on my face. <laughs> Dan, what do you do? What do you look for in a good riding horse? Well, the first thing I look for is a pair of beautiful eyes, nice long mane, curvaceous neck, nice teeth. Kiss me, you fool. <laughs> Christine, I, I think he's proposing. Uh... <laughs> well, I think you make a lovely couple, and I, I think you're going to be very happy as you ride through life together waltzing on that horse. <laughs> Now, in just a minute, you're going to work together for a chance at $1,000. But right now, I want you to pay close attention to Fenneman. The word reliability is mighty important. And it's a mighty important word to your DeSoto Plymouth dealer, too. For whenever you need service for your car, your DeSoto Plymouth dealer wants to make sure you get reliable service. And as car owners from coast to coast know, your DeSoto Plymouth dealer also handles two really great cars. The brilliant DeSoto 
and the beautiful Plymouth. For you on a DeSoto, you'll enjoy the pleasure of driving without shifting. You'll thrill to the ease of DeSoto's feather-touch steering. And you'll experience the feeling of greater security when you bring the DeSoto to a stop. No car in America has bigger brakes. Yes, for a smooth-riding car that's economical to operate, DeSoto is the car to buy. So drive a DeSoto before you decide. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Look for those two great names linked together. DeSoto, Plymouth. Now, you're going to play your bet your life for $1,000. Fenneman, and tell them the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that 20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the $1,000 DeSoto Plymouth question at the end of the show. You see, our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's going on out here. Here we go. Let's see how high can build you $20. You selected farm animals and birds as your category. Here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you try? Five. $5. All right. What kind of a farm animal is a hereford? H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. That's a cow. That certainly is, huh? <laughs> That's right. It's a cow. And they're on their way with $25. All right. You're on your way with $25. Remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. Now, how much of the 25 will you risk? Ten. Hmm? Let's try 15. 15? 15. 15. All right. Uh, what is a pitcher It's a horse. A, a horse is correct. You folks are really finding now you have $40. You got $40, and uh, here's your third question. $30. How much are you going to bet? $30. $30. What is a New Zealand white? New Zealand white? Yeah. It's a chicken. You agree with that? I don't know. Well, I'm sorry, but it, it's a rabbit. They taste a good deal alike, but it was the wrong answer. And they've dropped to $10, Groucho. Well, that's a shame. You dropped to $10. All right. Now, here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much will you bet? Ten. Okay. What is a leghorn? It's a chicken. A chicken is correct. And they wind up with a grand total of $20. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, stick around now. You may get a chance at the big question. Friends, our next couple has been in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know the secret word is grass. Perhaps they'll say it while they're talking to you, Groucho. Okay, fellas, bring them in. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a trash man and a housewife to be his partner. And here they are, Marshall Ravens and Christina McLean. Meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, welcome to You Bet Your Life. And if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Uh, Mr. Marshall uh, Ravens, you're a trash collector, eh? Oh, that's right. Well, you snappy dresser for a trash collector. You only work with agents. <laughs> this isn't part of the stuff that you collected, eh? No, I don't have that lot. Are you in business for yourself? Oh, uh, yes, I am. What do you call your business? A uh, Yellow Barrel Company. And uh, Christina McLean. Is that's it? right. It's a Scotch name, huh? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Nice one, too. Thank you. What sort of work does your husband do, Mrs. McLean? Uh, he's a retired railroad man. Do you have any trash at your house, sir? Why, of course. Every housewife has trash. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Some women think a lot of their husbands. <laughs> How did you meet your husband, uh, Mrs. Mack? I'll call you Mrs. Mack, huh? All right, that's fine. Well, um, I went home from work one day, and uh, my mother was having the winter cold put in, and she was also canning strawberries. So I was going down the cellar steps quite gingerly, carrying this crate of strawberries, when a voice said, uh, would you like some help there? 
So when he said that, I was so scared, I dropped the strawberries and fell down the rest of the steps. Well, the fellow, he came out and tried to help me, and my mother came to the cellar door, and she yelled, For heaven's sake, what's going on down there? He said, Well, I'm trying to help your daughter pick up the strawberries. And she thought he meant pick them. And uh, she didn't know... Your mother didn't hear very well, huh? No, she was up in the kitchen. She couldn't hear me. Does she hear well in the kitchen? (laughs) Well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. I don't even know your mother. (laughs) Oh, you'd like her if you did. Oh, I'd be crazy about it, but we have have an oil burner. (laughs) So very little contact with strawberries or coal, huh? Now, uh, Marshall, what do you think of Mrs. McLean's uh, story? I thought it was a very fine story. Yeah. Well, you're accustomed to trash. Now, uh... I, I, I like the story. I thought it had a nice tender quality to it. Now, uh, uh, Marshall, are you employed by the city or the county? Oh, neither one. I'm private into private. Pri- private, huh? Well, you're independent. You mean you won't pick up any trash that doesn't appeal to you, is that right? <laughs> He's a true collector, this fellow, huh? Now, how many homes do you service in a day, Marshall? Oh, I'll make about 200 pickups a day. Really? I must be in the wrong business. <laughs> Mrs. Mack, would you be interested in Marshall's trash collection service? No, I don't believe so. Marshall, you've got a job. Sell Mrs. McLean your service. Go ahead. Well, Mrs. McLean, uh, we leave you a barrel, first of all, so you can put everything in a barrel. You can roll it to the curb. In a barrel, you can put leaves, uh, oh, so many items, grass clippings, and... Well, you kids have just made $100 between you. You divide this between you, huh? Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful, huh? Mm-hmm. It just shows if you talk long enough, anything can happen around here. Well, how about it, Mrs. McLean? Are you sold on this pitch? Yes, but he doesn't go by my house. I'm sure he could arrange that. Where is your house? In Niagara Falls, Ontario. Well, on your next trip out here, bring your trash with you. <laughs> Do your customers ever give you any trouble, Marshal? Uh, yes, every now and then, uh... We hear about it, we catch someone in the middle of the night sneaking out of the house and carrying their trash across the street or to the neighbors and dumping into the, the barrel. And what they... a shabby thing to do. Huh? <laughs> now, uh, I think we've covered the trash situation pretty carefully, unless there's something you'd like to add. You've got anything to say? Uh, uh, how's the trash situation at your home? <laughs> Well, I do the same thing with mine as my neighbor does. I throw it in his barrel. <laughs> well, I think you two are going to make a lot of money as you go through life, and your paper profits will be wonderful on this route, uh, Marshal. Now, you're going to play your bet your life for $1,000. You run your $20 into more than our other couples, and you'll get a chance at the big question. I can't tell you how much they won, but Fenneman is, is offstage to remind our listeners. The dance instructor and the writing instructor are ahead with $20. <laughs> Now, here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected American meanings for English words as your category. Is that right? That's right. Here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you try? Talk right up here. $10. $10. Remember, you've got 100 already. All right. They call it a lift. Uh, what do we call it? Elevator. Elevator is correct. And you put the money away. $30. Now, you got $30. Remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. Now, how much of the 30 will you try? 20 20 all right, what are they talking about when they refer to ladders in reference to their clothing? Kind of tough, but take a stab at it anyhow. 
Shoes. No, you were close. It's, uh, it runs in stockings. That's what they call it. They now have $10. Oh, the voice of doom here, huh? <laughs> well, you're down to $10. That's too bad. All right, you got, are you going to bet your $10 on this one? Yes. All right, what is our word for suspend a belt? Braces. No. Suspend a belt. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Suspender belt? Yeah. I mean, the suspenders they In England, it? they call it a suspender belt. What do we call it? Uh, spenders. Suspenders. Braces? No, Braces? no, no. I'm sorry. It's a girdle. <laughs> well, even you, well, you shouldn't have known that, but you should certainly have known that. I'm surprised at you. Did you spend less time in that soft coal, Mrs. <laughs> Gotcha, these people went broke. Well, we can't let them go away. Absolutely Nothing. not. We'll get a bad reputation, so. Right. Well, you've got that already, Fetterman, but I have. <laughs> All right, here's one more chance to win some money. You get this one right, and we'll give you $10. And no help in the audience, please. In what city was the Boston Tea Party held? Boston. In Boston, that's right. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Fenneman, who's ahead? The uh, dance instructor and the unmarried man that worked at the stable mm-hmm. is ahead with $20. Do you know if that's true or not? I, I'm, uh, no, I don't, but since you said it. He's ahead with $20. Yeah, as much as you said it, I doubt it. <laughs> and our next couple has been off stage, so they, of course, don't know the secret word is grass. Just before we went on the air, Groucho, our studio audience selected a young lady who works in an employment agency, Miss Mildred Herodine. And her partner is a yacht broker, Mr. Charles Beauchamp. And here they are now. Folks, come on over here and meet Groucho Marx. Welcome for the Soda Plymouth dealers, folks. And if you say the secret word, you'll spend $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Mrs. Uh, uh, Herodine, is that right? That's right. Where, where are you from, Mildred? Salem, Massachusetts. Mr. Beauchamp, is that? You're, you're Beauchamp, a yacht broker. Yes, sir. Beauchamp, is it? You're a yacht broker, is yes, that right? Yes, that's my business. I thought you looked pretty crafty. <laughs> well, where are you from, uh, Charlie, my boy? Iowa. Iowa, huh? Yeah. You're in the yacht business and you're from Salem, huh? That's right. You should be from Salem if you're in the yacht business. That's right. You do Salem, don't you? Oh, yes, once in a while. I'll scratch something out of this yacht. Huh? <laughs> uh, who do you work for, Mr. Beauchamp? Well, I'm in business for myself. I see. And, and how is business? Oh, very good. I can't complain. Well, would you if you could? <laughs> oh, I would. How many yachts do you sell? Did you sell today? Oh, none today. Well, aren't people hoarding yachts these days? <laughs> you didn't sell any today, but business is good, eh? Yeah. How many don't you sell on a bad day? Well, you don't buy a yacht just like you go out and uh, buy a pound of hamburger, you know. Well, if the price of hamburger gets much higher, there won't be much difference. <laughs> Now, Mildred, at your agency, do you fill any type of job, or do you just handle certain types? Just certain types. Would you be interested in my type, Mildred? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Not so quick with the answer. <laughs> I, would have, I would have been flattered by just a little hesitation. <laughs> Obviously, you're not interested in handsome, dashing young men, eh? Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Something tells me my barber's been lying to me. <laughs> Now, let's find out something about your business, Mr. Beauchamp. For example, just what, what is a yacht? Well, a yacht is a boat... Uh, that I know. I mean... Uh, <laughs> of, uh, from, oh, I'd say 40 foot, and running around $20,000 to $2 million. Really? And how many of these financial disasters have you sold this year? <laughs> well, I've turned over about 12. You've turned over 12 boats? Yes. <laughs> And you yeah. sold them anyway? 
Suppose I bought a two million dollar yacht now. Uh, where could I go in it? Oh, with the yacht of that size, you'd go anywhere you wanted to. Look pretty silly going up Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> well, suppose I, I, I just bought a cheap little thing, say around forty thousand dollars. Where could I go in that? Well, you could you could go to Catalina on weekends. That's about the only place you can go around here. That's about yeah. all you could do with a forty thousand dollar yacht. Go to Catalina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what you don't know about yachts, Mister Boucher. <laughs> Go fishing too, you know. Right? <laughs> Anything unusual ever happened to, to a yacht broker, Mr. Beauchamp? Oh yes, uh, quite often. It wasn't so very long ago. I was uh, showing a boat I just sold, and we'd been all through the boat. And he he said, "Well, how is the running rigging on the boat?" And I said, "Oh, it's just fine. It's all brand new." And as I said that, I leaned up against the boom, and the line just parted like that, and I fell in the bay. And did they fish you out? Well, I fished myself out. The party that was buying the boat was quite a comedian. He looked down at me, and he said, well, pardon me, can I get your hat for you? It was floating off down the bay. He wasn't a professional comedian, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I think he was. <laughs> well, now, tell me, uh, suppose you sell a yacht. Let's say a $2 million job. Now, what do you get out of it? Oh, I get 10% off the top. You get 10% off the top? Doesn't the poor sucker get, even get a poop deck for his $2 million? <laughs> Why would anyone need a yacht broker, Commodore? Why, what's to stop me from going out and buying a yacht? Besides money, I mean, uh, how do you earn your 10%? Well, first I uh, know that the boat is all right, that there's no worms or dry rot in it, and that it's a good clean deal. What do you mean by a clean deal? Well, <laughs> no uh, dirty bills. What's a dirty bills? Is that what you get at the first of the month? <laughs> What's the most luxurious yacht you have ever handled? Uh, it was one that uh, was built in the Great Lakes. It's a very modern, ultra-modern, streamlined uh, design. There's about ten staterooms. They're all double staterooms. And they have real deep, thick rugs throughout the boat. And, in fact, uh, you could, a fella could walk through the, that rug with a hole in his pants. You couldn't even see it. And what was that? <laughs> you could walk through what? That rug. Yeah, how? With a hole in the seat of his pants, and you couldn't even see it. They're so deep. guy buys a yacht for $2 million and has got a hole in his pants. Right? <laughs> that fellow's not a very shrewd businessman. <laughs> now, how much a month would it cost to operate a scowl like that? Oh, it would run about $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's with two pair of pants, I suppose. Huh? <laughs> now, Mildred, uh, just how do you go about finding the right girl for the right job? I suppose I wanted a girl and called you up. Uh, what, what would you do? Well, uh, I'd uh, ask you some questions first. <laughs> I, I thought that was a catch <laughs> I want a redhead with nice eyes and one who is a whiz at keeping her figures in line. Now, how about it? Well, um, does that secretary have to be a fast typist? Well, not too fast. I should be able to catch her after about the third one. <laughs> well, you've been an interesting couple, and uh, I think I'll find my own secretary. <laughs> but we're happy to have you here anyhow. Now, you're going to play your bet your life, and you beat our other two couples, and you'll get a chance at the $1,000 DeSoto Plymouth question. Now, I can't tell you how much the other couples won, but Fenneman is offstage to remind our listeners. The dance instructor and the writing instructor are still leading with $20. Now, let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected birds and animals, male and female, as your category. Mm-hmm. 
Now, here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you risk? Ten. All right, Mildred? All right, cow is the female. What is the male? Heifer, isn't it? Bull. Bull. A bull is right. That, uh, you agree with that, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you folks are on your way. have $30. The fellow's been on a yacht. He certainly knows a lot about chattel, huh? Eh? <laughs> Remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. Now, how much of the 30 will you try? You, ch- you try this thing. I'll try this thing. All right. What do you call a female deer? A doe. A doe is right, and you want some right there. Yes, the climbing now, we have $45. Well, you got a lot of dough. You got a lot of, you got $45. Here's your third question. Now, how much of the 45? 20. 20? Okay. Are you looking at him for advice or just admiringly? <laughs> what are you, $20? What do you call a female pig? Sow. A sow is wow. correct. <laughs> she knows more about sows than cows, huh? <laughs> All right, you got $65. Now, how much are you going to try of the 65? You guess at this point. Let's try 25. 25. All right. What do you call a male goose? A gander. A gander is correct. <laughs> and they wind up with a grand total of $90. They're the winners. They are the winners. That means that you, too, get a chance at the $1,000 DeSoto Plymouth question. <laughs> I think you'll agree that you get the best job done when you go to a specialist. Well, when you need service of any kind for your car, take it to a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Because there you'll find specialists in the field of service. You'll like the quick, speedy service DeSoto Plymouth dealers will give you. They have factory-trained mechanics who work with the most modern equipment. Right on hand, they have a large supply of factory-engineered and inspected Mopar parts. This means you're on your way quickly without needless waiting. So next time your car needs service, take it to the place you know you'll get the work of specially trained men. Drive in at the sign of a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. I thought they did it very well this time. Huh? <laughs> and here's our winning couple, Gracho. The lady from the employment agency and the yacht broker all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question. Well, this will seem like small potatoes to you after that $2 million commission. <laughs> but I'm sure you can use the 500 if you win, brother. All right, here we go for $1,000. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you. And think carefully, and please no help in the audience. Here it is. It's a long one. Think carefully. Just 100 years ago, a unique republic was founded. Their official language is English. They use the dollar as a medium of exchange. And the country was founded by a settlement of citizens from the United States. What country is it that is so much like our own in government? All right, what is the answer you two have decided upon? No, I'm sorry. It's Liberia. So that means the big question next week will be worth $1,500. Well, uh, you did you did pretty well. Let's see. You lost the big money, but uh, how much did you win? You won how much? $90 in the quiz? $90 in the quiz, yes. And uh, no secret word? No secret word. Well, that isn't bad for a half hour's work, $90. Congratulations and thanks to both of you. Thank you. Sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, when the big question will be worth $1,500. And don't miss Groucho's television show, 
Also presented by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And when you drive in, tell them Groucho sent you. Just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Here's a tip from the National Safety Council about good highway habits. Don't save the checkup of your windshield wipers for a rainy day. You Bet Your Life is produced by Don Goodell. Transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. This is George Fenneman, signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. <laughs> 